just have never felt the love of God like I have in that season of my life and it's something that's changed me forever in the best ways and I look back on that and I'm like that was one of the greatest gifts of my life, greatest honors of my life that I got to walk through that with Jesus and I think it's so sweet that like that's available to all of us always, even in the mundane things. Hello friends, welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a beautiful day, whatever day it is when you're listening to this. I hope the sun is shining and if the sun isn't shining, I hope you're making the most out of a cozy, cloudy day Um, because those days can be nice and cozy. But if you need a good cry, you can cry too. (laughs) So maybe you need to embrace that cloudy day and just cry it out. That's okay too. Um, But anyway, whatever day you're having, Hope you're approaching yourself with kindness and compassion and gentleness, and I'm here to remind you to do that if you're not. So, today's episode, I have been kind of putting this one off. Um, I'm going to be sharing my journey with my pituitary tumor, um, all the, I feel like hundreds of ways, I won't share them all, but the main ways that the Lord just showed up in every single step of it. And just my journey through it um, and through the surgery and to the surgery, through the surgery and post-surgery, just the the beauty of it. I mean, it's like I said, like I've said many times, one of the greatest gifts of my life that I got to walk through this and experience this and encounter the Lord through this. And I've been kind of putting off recording this episode because I... I just feel like I have so much to say about it and I feel like I'm still processing it. I feel like I probably will be for a long time um, because it was just such like a like a monumental part of my life. Like it was a big deal walking through that surgery and that year with the tumor. Like I feel like I'm going to be processing it for a while. Um, but it was, like I said, the greatest gift of my life. And so I feel like I'm never going to be ready to share this episode but I already have a lot to say, so I'm just going to kind of share what I'm going to share now, and if I want to share more later, I will just make another episode, so that's the beauty of podcasting. I can just, I always have, every week, I have an opportunity to say more things, so it's pretty great, Um, but basically, I'm going to start by kind of sharing, because I know a lot of people have questions about like, how I found out, how did that happen, and honestly, I may have this in a previous episode, but I'm going to kind of spark note that and spark note the whole first year of diagnosis of this tumor, Um, but basically, when it kind of goes way back, so I had a prolactinoma, which there are a few different kinds of pituitary gland tumors. Um, They have some that secrete growth hormone, they have some that don't secrete hormones and they have some that secrete prolactin so there are a few different kinds of pituitary tumors mine specifically secreted prolactin there's a chance it was secreting igf1 but we can really figure that out but (laughs) my igf1 was elevated at one point but basically they noticed my tumor and i think prolactinomas are the most common kind but they noticed my tumor because my prolactin was elevated that's how we kind of first discovered it and so Most of you probably know my history, but I struggled with an eating disorder for about four years and um, I lost my period for about five years as a result of that and I worked really hard to get my period back. I got my period back in October. I remember it was on Halloween. So October 2020 is when I got my period back. 
and that following January, I went to my yearly OBGYN appointment, and because I had lost my period, she always did, like, a full, like, panel of blood work just to check on my hormones and make sure there was nothing else going on. So she always did a full panel of blood work at my OBGYN appointments, my yearly OBGYN appointments. So this was January 2021. She did that full panel and my prolactin came back slightly elevated and she was like, this can be, they're told, like most doctors are told if your prolactin's elevated, like you should send the patient to an endocrinologist to, you know, assess for pituitary gland tumor because that's the most common cause of high prolactin usually. Not always, but usually that's, you just have to check for that. So she sent me to an endocrinologist at this point and I was honestly like really terrified. Um, I've struggled with health anxiety my entire life. Um, It was debilitating as a kid. I went through about a year of debilitating anxiety that always revolved around my health. I never slept because I was afraid I was going to die in my sleep. I was afraid I had tumors, like everything. I just was debilitated by health anxiety and it was kind of a struggle um, my entire life leading up to this. And so when they first told me my prolactin was elevated, of course I went straight to Google and Googled everything about it and was freaked out that I had a tumor in my head. But I went to see an endocrinologist at that point and he was like, given the fact that you just got your period back after five years, it makes sense that your hormones are not in balance right now. He was like, so I would give it three months and come back and we'll recheck it. So at that point, I waited three months. I went back, we rechecked it. My prolactin came back normal at that point. So I was like, phew, I don't have a tumor. This is great. I went back to life as usual (laughs) until I went back to the OBGYN in February, January or February of 2022. I think it was February because I was in LA in January. So February of 2022, I went back to the OBGYN, tested all my hormones again, and my prolactin was elevated again. But at this point, I was working with a functional medicine doctor um, to heal my hormones because I started struggling with really, really bad cystic acne. It got progressively worse throughout 2021. and early 22, it was kind of like the worst it had been in my life. I was just basically from cheeks down, just kind of covered in cystic acne. And so I knew something was up. I knew my body was trying to tell me something. And so I started working with a functional medicine doctor. I did a Dutch test, got full hormone panel. Dutch test is where you test your hormones every day throughout an entire cycle. Um, So you're peeing on cards every day, doing saliva, all the things for a month. And so I did that, found out all my stress hormones were elevated, testosterone was high, and I was working with a functional medicine doctor to heal all of that. So I was just kind of like, okay, saw my prolactin was high. She said I should go back to an endocrinologist. But at that point, I was like, I'm just going to see what happens when I really dedicate my life to like healing my hormones. So I spent about six months really dedicating everything to healing my hormones. And another thing is that my period was very irregular from the time that I got it back in 2020 to early 2022, this point, like it was very irregular. It at the start was coming like every 18 to 20 days, like it was always here and it will last a full seven to eight days. But then early 2022 is when it started getting like, my cycle would be like 40 days sometimes and I would skip some and so I just knew something was off. Um, But when I was working with a functional medicine doctor, really focusing my life on healing my hormones, changing lifestyle, taking a supplement catered to the hormone imbalances that I had, 
I my acne started clearing up and my periods became regular so one of the most common symptoms of this tumor is irregular periods and so I was kind of like okay my prolactin must be normal now because my periods are regular my acne's clearing up I feel normal I feel good I think so I think everything's fine and so I got everything I got my prolactin retested again after like I want to say it was about five or six months of really doing this and my prolactin came back high and it was a little bit higher this time and so that's when my functional medicine doctor was like you should just get an MRI so we can kind of rule this out and so in August of 2022 is when I got my first MRI late August um, and it was in the midst of very very hard season just um, very heavy season of my life and um, found out I had a tumor <laughs> and the rest is history so found out I did have a little four millimeter tumor at the time of diagnosis so super tiny but I went to see an endocrinologist at that point and um, basically this is where it got a little crazy at first she thought it was inactive since I wasn't having any symptoms and my prolactin wasn't too high so we thought maybe it was just kind of inactive and not really maybe it would just need to be monitored and so she did a full pituitary panel when I first started seeing her and she was like let's just see what this says and then we can kind of go from there whether we want to start medication or not when that came back my prolactin in just a month had over doubled and so that was like a sign and I was just in this is like one of the times where the Lord really showed up where I was in like I was struggling I you know have a history with health anxiety but also with just like fear around medication it's really hard for me I get really scared of the symptoms and just everything it's just really hard for me to take medication especially one that I've never taken before and the thought of being on it for decades the rest of my life was really scary to me so and I of course have googled everybody's experience with this and which is the worst thing to do because everybody's so different um, and everybody's gonna have a different experience but there were just so many like this medication makes me feel awful it's ruined my life there were so many stories like that so I was scared um, and so I really at the end of the day too just wanted to do what was best for my body and it was so hard because I didn't know what that was my doctor couldn't tell me what that was nobody could tell me what was best for my body it was just kind of we just you know we don't know what's going to happen until we just try which is really hard for me and so I had a few days to just like after that blood work came back before I saw my endocrinologist I had some time to just like really think about what I wanted to do and pray about it and I remember there was just this one night where I was just wrecked by it and I was just like okay I really just need to go in prayer I need to quiet the noise I need to go in prayer and I just need to ask the Lord for clear and direct answers because I will do what he tells me to do I just want to know like what is best for my body like I just want to know what he's leading me to like I don't want to make this decision on my own I can't make this decision on my own and so I just remember that night just like I remember this night so vividly just like desperately crying out to God and I was actually dog sitting at somebody's house and I just like went into their closet if you don't know my story I have a prayer closet and it's kind of transformed my life I actually want to do a whole episode just kind of sharing the journey of my prayer closet how I how I kind of have it set up and everything but 
I was in somebody else's home and so I was just like I just need to go into the closet I just need to quiet the noise bring my bible bring my journal and I just need to spend some time in prayer and worship and just ask the lord for clear answers on what I should do and I was just like literally on my knees in this closet <laughs> asking the lord for clear and direct answers and to just let me know like I just needed to know what was best for my body like what the next step was like what that next right step was I was so desperate and I was on my knees probably crying definitely crying and um I like sat up and I mean the intentionality of this like I just happened to go to Target that day and get this gray shirt that was the perfect color gray that shows wetness this will all make sense in a minute (laughs) And I just happened to go to Target that day, get that shirt, and just happened to try it, want to try it on. Um, This may be TMI, but it's just the story. Try it on without a bra (laughs) before my shower. And then I ended up, like, just going into prayer before I got in the shower, and I was still wearing this shirt, right? And so I was on my knees. All of the intention, like, all of these little steps and details are very intentional to what happened, but then I, like sat up after being on my knees and I noticed this like wet spot on my shirt which again this may be TMI but I'm sorry this is just the reality (laughs) this is life for you but this tumor another symptom of this tumor is that prolactin is actually the hormone that produces breast milk when you're pregnant so one of the symptoms of this tumor is you do start to like early stages of lactating could potentially actually start lactating if you don't get it under control so Um, I noticed like a wet spot on my shirt and it was just like, um, they call it breast discharge. So when it's like early stages of lactating, that's basically what it was. And so I saw that and because before that I was so conflicted because I was like, I don't think I have any symptoms of this tumor. I'm so confused. My period's normal. My acne's cleared up. I feel fine. I thought like, I just didn't think I had any symptoms. And so I really felt like the Lord exposed that symptom to just expose this thing in my body that like hey actually I think it needs some help from the medication I think that's like the next right step for some reason and so I really felt like that was the Lord exposing that and just like the intentionality of it all I was just like okay I think I need to try this medication and so I told my doctor I was like I think I'm gonna go for it I think I just need to try it and so I tried the medication and started that whole journey I mean, I'm not going to go into details with this because it would be forever, but basically it was when I first started it, the first few days, side effects were so hard. It like felt like I had the flu. It was rough. And then I did that for about a month before like the side effects. I started having like emotional side effects as well. My emotions were insane all over the place. Um, I felt like I was just in this cloud and my appetite wasn't right like it was just kind of messed me up and so I was talking to my doctor about it and she was like it had worked really well it had brought my prolactin back to a normal range within a month and she was like okay we can come down on a lower dose and just see what happens so after that went down a lower dose the side effects were a lot better so it was livable at this point and I did that for three months before we rechecked my prolactin so this was like February of 2023 rechecked my prolactin it had gone up a little bit but nothing crazy but it obviously is not the direction we want it to go and after that I was just going in every three to six weeks um 
expecting my endocrinologist to give me some sort of answer, some sort of peace, some sort of something. And I left every time after that. I left, I was getting blood work, I was going in to see her every single time. My prolactin was higher, she never had answers for me, and I left disappointed. I left desperate for God. And there was so much beauty in that, as hard as it was to leave disappointed every time, it led me to the feet of the one who will never disappoint. And he healed my heart so much along the way. Um, And it was a hard journey, right? Like, (sighs) this is another reason I put this up, because I knew I'd just be crying the whole time. But, I mean, it was hard. It was brutal. I cried a lot of tears. I felt a lot of frustration. I felt a lot of disappointment. But the Lord met me every single time, and he really healed my heart so much throughout it. Um, And so, anyway, it was just months of walking through that until my, um, oh, and actually I think in May I decided to go back up again because my prolactin was just going higher. So I went back up on the medication and the side effects actually this time were worse than they were when I first started it, which made no sense. But, um, I experienced depression for the first time. Like it was brutal. I was, every time I would stand up, things would start going black. (laughs) Like I almost blacked out every time I stood up. Um, I was dizzy. Appetite was off. I was crying every day, just like didn't know why in this fog every day. And it was just brutal. And I was like, okay, this is in that whole time, I was like, okay, it's going to be worth it. If I get to that one year follow up MRI in August and my tumor has shrunk, like it's going to make this all worth it. I just need to push through. I just need to push through until I get to that MRI. But after about a month of that, like the side effects were not easing. I was like, okay, this is not worth it actually. Like this is I I can't live like this. Like, I just couldn't. I couldn't show up to my jobs. I I just couldn't, like, live like that. It was debilitating, essentially. So, I went back down on the lower dose. That didn't work very well, but I was like, okay, we're just going to hang out here until my one-year MRI in August. And honestly, after that, like, the whole summertime really just felt like such a sweet gift from the Lord. Like I just remember feeling so much peace and contentment around that area of my life. And for some reason, I just felt this peace of like, okay, this is the season for peace in this. Cause I think I felt that things were about to change once I, once I got that MRI, I had no idea what was going to happen. Girl, I had no idea what was coming, but I had this feeling of like, enjoy this peace right now. Enjoy this peace right now. And so I really feel like I got to just forget about it for a little bit and just rest in the peace of God for a little bit until my MRI came in August and August 28th of 2023 was when I had my one year follow-up MRI. And um, here are some sweet, sweet God stories. So I, I don't know where to start. Like this is where just the Lord just completely showed up in every step, but I actually, um, at this one-year follow-up MRI, I went to get it. And of course, I was feeling a little nervous because I just had no idea what to expect from it Um, because my blood work had been so all over the place throughout the whole year. And I just, I had no idea what to expect, honestly, Um, except for the fact that I knew it probably did not really shrink the tumor because my prolactin kind of showed that. But I thought maybe it was probably just the same. Maybe, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect. But 
also MRIs are so hard in general, like mentally, if you've ever had an MRI, especially in your brain, because they have to put your head in this cage and it's like 30 to 45 minutes, you're just laying in that tube with your head in a cage and you can't move at all or you'll mess up the pictures and you'll have to be in there longer. It is a mental battle, let me tell you. But so anyway, I was just like feeling all of that and I was feeling the nerves of the results. And I was like, okay, like we're getting back into this basically. Like I had a nice rest. I got to forget about it for a little bit. And now like we're, we're stepping back into this. I'm going to have to look at this again. I think that's like the hardest thing was just knowing like, okay, we're going to have to look at this again. And that's a hard thing to do is to look at the hard things, you know? But anyway, I went in there August 28th and I had the sweetest experience ever. Um, I went into the ho- to the hospital to get the scan and I had the kindest nurse that brought me back and she let me listen to music, which I had never gotten to listen to music. I never got to after that either, but this is the one time they like um, had the availability at this particular hospital to like listen to music while you're in the MRI. So I had her play, um, I just told her to like play Bethel worship music. Um, and so she was playing Bethel and I was in the MRI machine and I don't know if you've had an MRI before, but sometimes you have to get contrast through an IV, which basically contrast is just what makes the MRI light up. Um, so they do a round of photos without contrast and then a round of photos with contrast. So you really can't see like smaller pituitary tumors like mine. You really can't see them without the contrast because the pituitary gland, wherever blood flow goes is what lights up because it's pulsing through your veins. And so the tumor with the contrast, the MRIs with contrast, the pituitary gland is lit up, but the tumor is a really, it's a dark spot in the pituitary gland. So that allows them to see the tumors. Um, So I had to get contrast through an IV. So they'll do the first round of photos and then they'll come in I'll have an IV in my arm and they'll come in and inject the contrast. And the contrast freaks me out. (laughs) I, same reason medication freaks me out. I get scared I'm going to have side effects. I've read things on Google. Um, I'm scared like I'm going to be allergic to it, go into anaphylactic shock, like all these crazy things. That's just what my mind goes to. Um, So I got really nervous. I had had contrast before, but it had been a year. And so I was just like really nervous. And so basically like it doesn't hurt it usually just like makes your arm cold for MRIs that like there's a cold sensation up your arm and then you get a metallic taste in your mouth and you can like smell it sometimes um but basically my mind started going insane because you're just laying in this tube completely still it's so loud it's all the things right so overstimulating and so my mind just goes to crazy places and so they injected the contrast and I was just laying there And I started panicking a little bit because my eyes started like my vision was getting blurry and looking back and like after I was like, oh, I think my contacts were just drying out. But in the moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like I'm fading away. Like (laughs) I'm dying right now. And that's where my mind was going, like panicking. But then I just took a deep breath and I was just like, okay, Jesus, where are you right now? And that is something that just has been such a healing thing for me and that's something that you know I've really learned um, through people in my life my community and then also just like working at True Hope which is this inner healing place that I work at that I volunteer at Um, 
one of the things that's like so healing about this like inner healing is Jesus you invite Jesus into the story and you ask him where he is you ask him where he was in those traumatic moments and you ask him where he is now and so I just like took that moment and I was like okay I just need to like focus I tried to focus on the words of the music and I just asked Jesus I was like hey where are you right now and I just had this picture of him standing outside of the MRI machine like holding on to my legs comforting me and it took me right back to when I was seven years old in an MRI machine because I went through, I don't know if if you're interested in hearing more about this, I went through a lot of debilitating anxiety as a kid and I have, I share a lot more about that in an episode called My Mental Health Story, I think, My Mental Health Journey or My Mental Health Story. Um, I share more about this, so go listen to that. But I went through a year of just debilitating anxiety. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. Nobody knew what to do with me. It was so, um, it was a traumatic year of my life. Um, A very traumatic year of my life and created a lot of wounds in my life. A lot of wounds in my life came from that year of my life. But um, I was getting an MRI on my brain because I thought maybe there was something wrong with my brain. Like nobody, they were just so, you know, trying to figure it out, right? And so I immediately got taken back to that moment when I was seven years old and in the MRI machine and I was of course panicking and my mom was standing outside with her with her hands on my legs just like trying to comfort me and I saw Jesus on the other side in that moment and he was like I was with you then I'm with you now (laughs) and I'm never gonna leave um (sighs) and the song that was playing in my ears in that moment it's called no longer slaves um it's a a bethel song and the lyrics are i'm no longer a slave to fear i am a child of god (sighs) i cannot make it through this without crying but i mean like that's what jesus will do and that's like the power of walking with him through dark valleys is that not only does he prevent like this like this story this journey with this tumor walking through this surgery could have easily stained me created wounds in my life and created trauma like easily could have done that um and it would have if i didn't walk through jesus because but because i walked through it with jesus he healed old wounds of my life like he used every ounce of it and he met me in it and he healed me now and he healed old wounds and so like that moment is just an example of the Lord like literally turning an MRI machine into a place of holy communion with him and he healed and he restored and he showed up and he's that's always available to us like we just forget it we forget it's so easy to forget but he's always available to just be like hey Jesus like where are you right now I kind of need you to show up I'm really struggling I need you to show up and he will he always does And so that moment for me was just like so, like I'm never going to forget that. And instead of having this experience with the MRI where I was traumatized and I think about it and I'm like, oh, that was just awful and cringy. It's like, no, that was the most, one of the most beautiful experiences in my life because Jesus met me there and he healed my heart and he showed me where he was when I was seven years old and he healed that part of my story too. And so, anyway, got that MRI. This was August 28th, 2023. And then the very next day, 
August 29th. This was a few hours before I got the results back. I got a DM from my friend, Katie. Katie Love. So thankful for her friendship, but she sent me a little DM and she said, oh my gosh, I had a dream about you last night. Um, I had a dream that you got MRI results back and you were crying with joy because the tumor is gone. I know that will happen someday. And this was a few hours before I got my MRI results back. And I was just like, I clung on to that. And for some reason, I had a feeling like maybe that wasn't going to be these results. I, I believed for that. I, I believe for that. I know it could have been. But I just had this feeling that I was going to need to cling on to that for hope for what was to come. So I got the MRI results back that evening, a few hours after that DM, and saw that the tumor had grown. Um, it was nothing crazy, but it's a tumor in my brain that had grown that wasn't responding to the medication, um, the dose of the medication that I could tolerate. And um, I just remember coming back that night. It was Chloe's birthday, <laughs> August 29th. I came back that night and I just like sat on my kitchen floor for like 45 minutes, no joke, just sat there and stared like because that's that's where I was at I just like had no emotion really no words I just felt kind of numb and like just kind of debilitated by it you know yeah and I just like remember sitting there for like 45 minutes on the floor before I was like okay I need to get up and just like it was after nine I think at this point so I was like I just need to go shower get ready to go to bed and so I showered and then I got in bed and I was just laying there and, and that's when kind of like some emotions started to come out and I was just crying. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Lord, um, I know you're with me. I know it's going to be okay. Um, but this feels kind of scary. I feel really overwhelmed. Um, I'm actually really scared and I don't really know what to do next. And it feels really overwhelming. And I was just kind of like, I just kind of need a word from you to kind of get me through this. Like, I just need something from you. And in that moment, like, I just felt the Lord say, I'm inviting you into more. And I, I realized in that moment, like, whoa, that is, that's exactly what I've been praying for. I've just, when you experience and encounter God, you can't help but just, like, crave more of that. Anyway, I spent about a week just, like, kind of sitting with that and just inviting the Lord into this kind of in-between moment of like, okay, I know I'm about to have to find a different doctor and I have no idea what that's going to look like, but I am not doing that yet. And so now I was just kind of in that in-between for about a week until the next Tuesday. It was like the day after Labor Day. I was like, okay, I know I need to find another doctor. Um, I had done some research and I found this doctor that I wanted to see, um, <laughs> Dr. Baskin. He's kind of the best of the best, and um, he works at this center, at, at the med center um, downtown at Methodist Hospital, downtown Houston. Um, he works in this center called Peak Pituitary, Peak, wait, <laughs> something Peak Center Brain and Pituitary Tumors, something like that. That's like the name of his clinic, and, um, and it's a Methodist Hospital downtown in the huge med center in Houston so I just knew I wanted to see this guy but I didn't know if I was going to qualify to see him but um on Tuesday like we made some calls and um they were like yeah 
the the neuro department usually takes like a week to get back to you so kind of expect to wait and so I was like okay a week like that felt like ages at that point but I was like okay like it's all I can do so I just tried to like forget about it but literally that evening so called that morning that evening this was a Tuesday evening I got a call back from Dr. Baskin's office we had called a few different neurosurgeons just to see you know because just to hope to get into one but I got a call back from the best of the best and they were like Dr. Baskin would love to see you we have an opening on Friday and I was like whoa (laughs) so to hear that (laughs) like just to get an appointment with a specialist like that especially this guy it I mean it should take months to even get an appointment with him so to get a call back that same night after they said it would probably take a week and to be in his office at get a call back on a Tuesday evening be in his office on a Friday morning just absolutely unheard of and I was like okay lord like I guess we're doing this I guess we're going into this and so um (laughs) I remember that week like just being terrified I think just the fact that I was going to see a neurosurgeon made it all feel so real and scary and I spent many nights that week those days leading up to that appointment crying on my floor um, desperate for God sleepless nights Um, but I saw the Lord and my friends that week I remember I, I got coffee with a friend on Wednesday and coffee with another friend on Thursday and I remember those conversations because they just were so important to me and healed so much within me and I felt so covered in prayer when I went to that appointment on Friday and um, I went to that appointment (laughs) with absolutely no idea what to expect but I kind of thought you know because it was just like a consultation I thought I'd just go get this guy's opinion and just kind of see what he thinks I I didn't know what to expect but I did not expect to leave with surgery scheduled (laughs) I'll just say that but I went in we met with a surgeon I mean it's a scary drive down there but I felt very covered in prayer my friends were texting me praying for me and um I got there and met with this guy and we were just kind of sharing my story I kind of shared my history with this tumor shared my story and he basically was just like yeah um you know you could try this one other medication but um I wouldn't recommend it because it's honestly one of the like it has worse side effects than the one you're on currently and doesn't usually work as well so I wouldn't recommend that and he's like you're never going to be younger healthier than you are now which makes you at the puts you in the best place with the least amount of risks to do the surgery and um, you're young you have so much life ahead of you I don't want you to be dealing with this and he also shared that he had just done surgery that week on a woman who had this tumor and was pregnant and it exponentially grew during pregnancy which is a thing that can happen because it is Um, you know the hormone that produces breast milk when you're pregnant so you're obviously getting your body's producing more of that anyway in pregnancy and so it can sometimes go out of control and grow rapidly in pregnancy and that had happened to this woman that he had done surgery on and she started to go blind and scary thing he was able to restore her vision all was well um, but 
he was just sharing that and he was like, I don't want you to have to deal with that down the road. I don't want you to have to deal with the side effects of the medication you've been on and it's not even working. So we just kind of talked through all of that and just kind of settled on the idea that surgery was probably best and sooner rather than later is the way to go. And then there was the logistical side of things, like the fact that (laughs) I'm about to turn 26 and so I get kicked off my parents' insurance, which my dad's a senior pastor at Methodist Church, so the benefits with Methodist Hospital are actually insane. And so that's such a gift. And so there was that side of it as well that was like, yeah, it's probably the best time to do this. And so, I mean, next thing I know, I was standing out there scheduling the surgery. And that's when it really started to hit me. And I really, really started to just, I mean, I feel like I was kind of in shock a little bit of like, whoa, this is actually happening and this is actually my life. Because for so long, like the year before, I hadn't even, I realized like I hadn't even seen my tumor on the MRI because my endocrinologist didn't even know where to find it. I didn't know where to find it until I had like stepped foot in my surgeon's office. And so I think too, there was just this thing of like, is this even real? Like, I don't know. And so it was just all hitting me at once in this appointment with my surgeon. The very first time I met the guy, we were scheduling surgery I remember texting my good friend and I was just like, we're scheduling the surgery. I'm really scared. (laughs) I think that's all I said. And and she just responded with like, and I remember this because it, I mean, impacted me so much. But she just said, deep breaths, where's Jesus right now? And it just kind of brought me back. And I was like, Jesus, where are you? And I'm going to be honest, I was so overwhelmed, so in shock. Like I didn't have an encounter with him then that like I had in the MRI machine. But I think even just that text message was Jesus showing up and just reminding me that he was there, that that message through, like, Jesus will speak through your friends, you know, he will, and I feel like that's what that was in that moment, and then (laughs) they show me, like, virtual reality, which is pretty cool, they have virtual reality, um, they have these girl, there was this girl that, like, she actually is in operating rooms, and she creates from, your MRIs and your scans, she creates this 3D imaging, this virtual reality. And so she was like, do you want to like look inside your head and see 3D or see virtual reality inside your head and see your tumor? And I'm like, okay. And I'm over here literally fighting back tears, like hardcore fighting back tears. Like I just wanted to break down and cry right there because I was so, so scared. Um, and but she was, I was just like trying to smile and be like, whoa, this is so cool. I put the virtual reality glasses on and I'm literally looking inside of my head. And I'm like, the last place I want to be right now is inside my head. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, she was like showing me my tumor. She was like, yeah, and it's like super, super close to your carotid artery. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I literally started like getting dizzy. Like, I think I would have blacked out if I wasn't like, okay, I think I've seen enough inside my head. And yeah, it was just a lot, but we scheduled the surgery um, for October 17th, so I think it was September 8th when we scheduled it, so I think I had like a little over five weeks, like maybe five weeks and a few days um, before the surgery, and so on one hand, I was like, this is going to feel like the longest five weeks of my life. It's going to be probably some of the hardest five weeks of my life, but also probably the most healing and I'm so thankful that I get to just have these five weeks with the Lord to really seek the Lord in this and encounter him more 
in this before my surgery. Um, and after that, I just had, you know, I had a lot of scans and blood work I had to get done after that. And um, I met the Lord every time. I encountered the Lord in every single person, every single friend, family, my community was such a healing part of this journey for me that I would not have had if I had walked through this a year or two years before. Like, I would not have had this community surrounding me and lifting me up in prayer, which is something that gave me so much strength throughout this journey. Um, I spent many nights crying on my floor. <laughs> I spent many nights desperately crying out to God. I sent many texts of like, hey, I'm really having a hard time. Can you pray for me? I sent many of those texts. It was just a really, really brutal but beautiful time that's really the best way I know how to explain it but I mean brain surgery biggest nightmare come to life right like this little girl that was seven years old and was couldn't function in life because she was scared of things that she didn't even have to now like it was basically my seven-year-old's my seven-year-old self's biggest nightmare come to life but I think it's so beautiful that I look back on this journey and I'm like, yeah, the Lord stripped away so much fear. And actually, um, after it was like the night after I had like scheduled the surgery, I went back home and was just like talking to the Lord about it, crying about it, all the things. And I felt the Lord say, I'm walking with you through one of your darkest valleys so I can touch it and heal it. And um, he did just that. He touched and he healed every fear along the way. You know, every scan I had to get, every test I had to get done, I had to get more MRIs, and he met me there. He met me every time I walked into the hospital. He spoke through my friends. He spoke through my community. I, it was just the most healing time of my life, but most of the time, the most healing times of our lives are also some of the hardest, and so both of those things were coexisting, and um, we had this conference at our church called New Room Conference, which is really beautiful. And um, I was just praying that the Lord would speak to me through that time. And um, there was a service dedicated to healing, emotional, physical, all the healing. And it was this prayer service. And um, a good friend came and just like prayed over me. And shortly after that prayer, I was just like in prayer with the Lord in my own time. And I just had this picture of, I just saw the operating room. And I saw the father guiding the surgeon's hand. I saw Jesus standing right next to me, like comforting me, and then just Holy Spirit filling the room. And I just was like brought to tears because that was like the gift of that picture. Like when you get a picture from the Lord, it's something you get to carry with you for the rest of your life. And you have this like gallery of them, right? And it's the most healing thing in the world. And I got to take that with me. And so every moment of fear I got to be like, but wait, this is where Jesus showed me he's going to be. And this is where he's going to be. And I have to trust him for that. And I have to believe him for that. And it doesn't always feel, doesn't always take the fear away completely, but it, it gives me some comfort in the fear, right? And so that was another sweet, sweet transformative moment. Um, I also had a friend the day before I met with my surgeon. Um, I was getting coffee with a friend and, and she was just like, and, and I was praying over you and I just saw you just like had this quick little picture of you just like doing communion in your home. And I was like, I love that. That's so sweet. And so then when I heard that I had these like five weeks to wait for the surgery, I was like, I need to do communion every day in my home. And I started doing communion every day in my home. 
and the amount of times when I was just like, I remember this one night where I was literally on my couch scrolling in the depths of surgery content and filling my mind with fear and anxiety. And I was like, what am I doing? And I was spiraling. And I put down my phone and I turned on a um, song written by my friends, Bristol House, called Alters Reprise. I turned it on, I got on my knees, and the lyrics of the song, even when I wander, I'll turn and build an altar, and you will bring the fire once again. You'll burn away the simple things and all the lies that strangle me, and you will bring the fire once again. And from this burning altar, the world will see a father who loves us more than anything. Oh, you love us more than anything. And that, to me... Like, I listened to that song every day when I did communion leading up to my surgery. And it was a moment, it was just so healing to me because even when I wandered and I was spiraling in the fear and the anxiety, I turned and I built an altar. I got on my knees. I took the bread. I took the juice. I met Jesus at the table. He met with me at the table. He brought the fire once again. He burned away the lies that were strangling me. And from that burning altar, the world saw Father. And, and just like the lyrics of that song were really brought to life for me and the most healing ways and that time of communion, those five weeks, it's like so sacred. I'm never going to forget that. I'm never going to forget the moments that Jesus met me on this journey. And so those five weeks, brutal, beautiful encounters with the Lord, incredible. He really did touch and heal every dark valley in this journey and so I finally got to the day before my surgery which was the day that I was dreading because I had to go in for a CTA scan and they told me the day we scheduled surgery she was like yeah and, and you're gonna have to get the scan the day before surgery and, and they may have to shave some of your hair off and that's all she told me and I was like okay may have to shave some of my hair off I don't really know what that looks like and I went into Google trying to figure this out and I didn't really see much about this at all it was really hard to find info about this, so I really went into this blindly, and um, I got there the day before my surgery, and I went back to get the scan and to potentially get some of my hair shaved off, and, and the lady goes, um, did I tell you about this? And I was like, I heard I may have to get some of my hair shaved off, and she looked at me with like sad eyes, and she was like, yeah, I'm going to have to shave some of your hair off. And I was like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? How much of my hair are you shaving off? And so she took me back to this little room with no mirrors so I couldn't see what was going on and she just got out this buzzer and she showed me this mannequin with like these little, so basically they had to put these markers on my head which were just like little stickers that looked like little lifesavers. They were just these little round white stickers but they had to stick them on certain parts of my head and so in order for them to stick they had to shave the hair off. And so... <laughs> She kind of showed me the ones that she's going to have to put on my head. And she was like, I'll try to cover them as best as I can. But she's like, there's one on the top of your head that I pr probably won't be able to cover very well. And I was like, okay, it's fine. Just do what you got to do. You know, you got to do what you got to do at this point. So I can't stop you. So shave away. And then I'm just sitting there listening to this buzzer, feeling this buzzer on my head and seeing my hair fall off around me. It felt like, you guys, it felt like she was shaving giant chunks out of my head. So I was honestly really scared at this point. But I was also just like, well, it's kind of, it is what it is. Like, I can't do anything about it. So I was like panic texting my friends. I was like, oh my gosh, she's shaving my hair. I was like taking selfies. I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Like my hair is getting shaved off. 
Um, and then I went back to get the scan. Still had not seen my hair at this point. I saw no idea what it was looking like. And then after I like went into the bathroom and I like looked and I was like, okay, honestly, it's not as bad as I was thinking. I got seven little bald shots, bald, bleh, bald spots shaved into my head, which seven is a biblical number for completion and wholeness, which I think is very sweet. Um, and I, I like clung on to that as well. But the day before my surgery was probably like one of the sweetest days out of all of it. Every single person that I encountered in the hospital was like, who's your surgeon? And I was like, Dr. Baskin. And they were like, oh my gosh, he's the best of the best. You have nothing to worry about. Literally four or five different people that I encountered that day said the exact same thing. Um, and that gave me so much peace. And I felt like that was really the Lord just encouraging me, giving me peace and got my hair shaved off. And then afterwards, I was just kind of laughing at it. Honestly, I was like, well, it is what it is, you know? Like, honestly, I was getting brain surgery the next day, so shaving little bald spots into my hair was the least of my worries at that point. And then we went up to my surgeon's office to kind of turn in this, like, a form of attorney or something, basically signing my life away, or, like, if I die, <laughs> or if I'm, like, medically unable to make decisions for myself, here's who's making decisions or something like that. Which, we don't love that, but you gotta do what you gotta do. So I we went to turn that into my surgeon's office, and the sweet receptionist lady was incredible. She was just so sweet. She was like, what's your name? And I told her my name, and she was like, I'll be praying by you. I'll be praying for you by name tomorrow. What time is your surgery? And she was like, it's gonna be totally fine. Dr. Baskin, he is the best. She's like, I can't wait to see you after. Like, it's all gonna be good. Just so, so, so encouraging. And then I walked into the little bathroom, and I walked into the stall, closed the stall door, and there was a sticky note on the stall. And it was Jeremiah, why do I not remember the verse? It was Jeremiah, I think 30, 19, but that could be completely wrong. I think it's Jeremiah 30 something. But basically it says the Lord, or I will restore health to you and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. <laughs> Again, I'm going to cry. But... I saw that and I was like, first I was like, wait, did somebody put this on all the stalls? And I went and looked on all the stalls and it was literally just in that one that I walked into. And I was like, okay, Lord. And I really wanted to take it with me, but I was like, I need to leave this up here for somebody else who needs this. But I took a photo of it and I was like, that was for me. Like, I know, I know that was from the Lord for me. Like I needed that, you know? And when I tell you I left the hospital that day, I expected this day to be probably one of the hardest days of my life. Getting my hair shaved off, it was the day before my surgery, I expected to be consumed by fear at this point. But when I tell you I left the hospital that day feeling more <laughs> joy and peace, like just the most unnatural amount of joy and peace that I have ever felt in my life. Because I was literally waking up at 3 a.m. the next morning to drive myself, to drive with my parents to the hospital to walk through one of the scariest things that I've ever done in my life. Like, I was not expecting, like, it's just so unnatural to be filled with joy and peace the day before something like that. But I literally left the hospital feeling so much joy and peace. I went home, I went on a little walk, I had people like surrounding me in prayer. I had never felt more strengthened or encouraged or joyful or peace. Like, I never felt that in my entire life. Like, it was something just so unnatural and so beautiful and like so of God you know like there's just no other explanation for it other than God and so I went to bed that night 
and like I expected to not be able to sleep at all but I I fell asleep that night and I woke up at 3 a.m. I took my little surgical scrub shower and packed my hospital bag and we left at like 3.15 in the morning. No, we left at like 3.45, 4 in the morning. Went to the hospital, got there around 5, checked in. I was just joking around with my dad. Like we were just, I was filled with joy the morning of my surgery. And checked in. We were waiting. We were joking. People were texting me. I felt so strengthened and encouraged. I walked back into the room. I put on the hospital gown. I got all hooked up. I got the IVs. I got all the stuff. I was feeling joy. I was feeling peace. I, of course, was feeling a a bit of adrenaline at this point, but it wasn't like a fear yet. Like, I was just feeling so... It it, It just felt like adrenaline. That's the best way I know how to explain it. Like, it felt very similar to when I used to travel alone and like the day before I would leave for a trip just like so much like adrenaline because you're about to walk into something so unknown but I felt joy and I felt peace and I honestly like (laughs) I will say they came back the anesthesiologist came back and was like he gave me he's like okay I'm about to inject you and he's like not inject you he's like I'm about to put some um stuff in your IV it's just gonna help calm you down it's gonna feel like one glass of wine and I don't drink so I'm like oh yeah I don't really know what that feels like but sounds good let's do it um and so he did that and he was like then he was like okay I'm just gonna give you a few minutes with your family and then we're gonna take you back and that's when it really hit me (laughs) um and that's when I was like okay and I started crying and I told my parents I was like I'm so scared like literally right before they wheeled me out I was like I'm so scared and I started crying And then they took me back, and this is when it starts getting a little fuzzy, but I did not expect to remember the operating room, but I definitely do. I think it's a little, I think I remember a drugged version of it, but he took me back, he was like, okay, now you've got like three or five wines in you. And I was like, oh, cool. So they wheel me into the operating room, which I thought the operating room was going to be like, they were going to have to wheel me like way down the hallway or onto another floor, but it was literally like two doors down. I was like, okay. And they bring me in and there are just these like 3D images of my brain everywhere, like arteries, like I saw the virtual reality screens and I was just kind of like in awe. And this is where I think I could definitely tell I was a little drugged because I was just looking around like amazed. I was like, whoa, like it felt so magical. It was huge. There were screens everywhere. But then they had me move from the bed to the table and then they put this like mask on my face and I remember so vividly what that felt like and what it smelled like. And he was like, okay, take a deep breath. And I took a deep breath and he was like, good job, take one more. And I took another one and then I was out. Um, and then I was waking up, which is just so weird. Like the memory of that, it's like so wild how that happens. But I woke up and I was in the recovery room and literally the first thing I heard, which I think this is just so sweet, but again, I'm gonna cry. Um. As I was waking up from anesthesia, the first thing I was aware of that I was hearing was this song playing in my mind from Maverick City. It's called More Than Able, but there's this part of the song at the end where they're just singing, there's so much more to the story, he's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to your story, he's not done with me yet. And I was hearing that in my mind, (laughs) which was so sweet of the Lord. Like, I know that was from the Lord because I... 
woke up like that was the first thing I was hearing in my mind and it wasn't playing it was just like playing in my mind and then I just remember like looking at the clock and I was like okay I think it took about the time they said it would I think that's a good sign and then I talked to I asked the nurse I was like did it go okay and she was like hi Gabby like everything went well you did so great and I was like I was like I wasn't loopy that's the thing like a lot of people talk about how they're like so loopy and I'm like kind of upset I wasn't loopy that would have been kind of fun but I feel like I was just so aware I just felt very groggy and I was like I felt heavy and the worst like pain when I woke up my throat hurt really bad because I was intubated during my surgery and so my throat hurt really bad and I was so 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 nauseous (laughs) Like, but that was really the worst of it when I woke up, but I woke up and I'm just kind of laying there for a little bit. She was kind of like talking to me and then I was just listening to them talk. And then my parents finally got to come back and see me and, um, she had given me like a popsicle at this point to try to help my throat and the nausea a little bit and some like ice chips or something. But when my parents came back, they, I remember they were talking to me. They were like, yeah, Dr. Baskin said you did great. And and everything went great and they were like Dr. Baskin said he had to peel it off of your carotid artery so we're so glad we did it now and I'm like what like wow so just another confirmation from the Lord that this was the right time the right thing to do right because if it had grown it was rapidly growing at this point we found out later that my tumor so I didn't mention this but the month before like the month after my MRI in August in September my tumor had grown so it grew 1.5 no it grew two millimeters in one year and then that month just in one month from August to September it grew 1.5 millimeters so it was like growing exponentially fast at this rate and so if it had continued to grow that close to my carotid artery and press up against my carotid artery that could have caused strokes brain bleeding like major things so just that in itself again was such confirmation from the lord that like we did the right thing it was the right decision at the right time and um anyways they were talking to me and then i just started crying because i was so nauseous and i was so thankful that it went well and then i was like dry heaving because i was so nauseous but there was nothing in my system (laughs) to come up And then my parents were like, okay, we're going to just leave for a little bit. And then they left and I was just sitting there and I got so tired because she was giving me some like anti-nausea stuff in my IV as well. And I was just like laying there and I was like, can I shut my eyes? (laughs) Because I'm really tired. And she was like, of course. (laughs) And so I think I had to wait for like another hour or so until a room in the ICU opened up. And then they took me up to neuro ICU. Um... They wiped me down, they got me ready, and I was just chilling in neuro ICU. I was in the ICU for around, like, I think 35, 36 hours. Um, And I was honestly, this is another thing, I was really scared of the ICU because I think it just sounds really scary, right? Like, the intensive care unit. Like, that sounds so intense and so scary. And I thought that was going to be, like, the worst part of this experience, but now I look back on it and I'm like that was literally the sweetest part of the whole experience the ICU the nurses like I had the kindest nurses shout out to Cameron my day nurse and Taryn my night nurse they were so sweet and they just made the experience so sweet and I honestly loved (laughs) 
like it was just very comforting to know I was constantly being monitored and they would come in and check on me every 30 minutes to an hour I didn't really get much sleep because of that but it was just very comforting to know that especially after brain surgery right like I want to make sure everything's good after that so you can come in and check on me every 30 minutes to an hour and you can stare at me through the window like please make sure I'm okay um and so I was like it was very uncomfortable of course the whole first day I was so nauseous I had a catheter so I wasn't able to get up and they put a catheter in while I was in surgery and so they also have to closely monitor your urine after the surgery because you can end up with something called diabetes insipidus which is basically where um, you just pee everything out and more and you can deplete yourself of sodium and all the things that can be very dangerous and so it's very common after the surgery for that to happen because it's controlled by the back of your pituitary gland and so um, they have to closely monitor for that so they come in and like get pee out of my catheter every hour and I have to track my fluid intake and how much I'm outputting all the things so yeah they were just doing all the things that day that I was in ICU and I wasn't able to stand up the whole first day but and it was obviously very uncomfortable but honestly I expected to be in so much more pain I did not need pain meds the entire experience which is wild to me because they went in through my nose drilled through my sinus cavity drilled through my skull went into my head were at the base of my brain rebuilt the base of my skull closed everything up I had an incision mark on my stomach my lower stomach where they took fat from there and put it inside my head to plug the hole and I'm like you would expect to at least have some like pretty bad head pain after that but I had zero head pain the entire time I was in the hospital, which is wild. And I did not need pain meds the entirety of the experience, which is also wild. Um, so anyway, I just like was kind of sitting in that and um, I was in the hospital for ICU for like 36 hours, moved to the normal floor the day after my surgery, like the night, the next day and that night after my surgery. Um, I moved into the normal floor, so I went from neuro ICU to the normal neuro floor. It was still like specifically neuro. And so I moved there, um, I guess it would have been October 18th, my surgery was on the 17th, so the night of October 18th, honestly I didn't love the normal floor, I was very scared, I was very anxious to not be monitored as closely, it kind of felt like they just forgot about me because they would only check on me every four hours instead of every 30 minutes to an hour. And so that was kind of hard for me, but again, I was just like clinging on to Jesus throughout that. And um, then I got to go home the afternoon of October 19th because everything was looking good. That was the day I did start to get a little bit of a headache and I did s struggle with a headache. It was more like sinus pressure and sinus headaches. That was probably the hardest part of the recovery was just the sinus pressure and sinus headaches. Um, but of course, I had a lot of restrictions after that and it was... The recovery from a major surgery is brutal. It's a lot. Like, I, the day I got home, I couldn't, like, my mom had to help me shower. She had to help me wash my hair. And that whole first week, like, literally just walking to the bathroom was exhausting. And I remember, like, probably, like, three to five days, probably, like, five days after my surgery, I took a walk, like, down the driveway and back, and it was just the most exhausting thing ever. So that's like what surgery recovery is and like major surgery recovery like it's it's brutal and you'll never feel weaker than you do then 
and I lived, I stayed with my parents for three and a half weeks until I went to my follow-up with my nurse, and she cleared me to move back to my apartment. I still, like, couldn't take the stairs. I still couldn't do a lot of things at this point, but um, that was a big milestone, and I got to drive after three weeks, which was a big milestone, and um, just all these little things that we take for granted that just feel so, so sweet and so special after something like that, but... I mean, basically, that's kind of like the story without going into every single little detail and making this five hours, which I could. Like, I could talk about this all day because Jesus did just show up time and time again. But, I mean, that's basically the gist of it. Like, I had, he just used so much of it. He encountered me in every step. He showed up in every step. When I was desperately crying on my apartment floor, he met me and he sustained me and those hard sleepless nights he met me and he sustained me and um I just have never felt the love of God like I have in that season of my life and it's something that's changed me forever in the best ways and I look back on that and I'm like that was one of the greatest gifts of my life greatest honors of my life that I got to walk through that with Jesus and I think it's so sweet that like that's available to all of us always even in the mundane things like we can just sit there and be like where are you right now Jesus and he's there with us and the healing that comes from encountering the Lord whether that's through a friend whether that's through a sunset whether that's through a word you feel him speak over you whether that's through a picture he gives you like whatever it is like that is the, that's where the healing is that's where the healing is and you know I felt him speak over me like I'm walking with you through one of your darkest valleys so I can touch it and heal it and I look back and I'm like that's exactly what he did he touched and he healed so many fears along the way and to be that little girl who was debilitated by health anxiety to now I walked through a brain tumor a brain surgery and I'm fine and I did it and it ended up being one of the most beautiful experiences of my life because of Jesus and he used it to heal those wounds and like my health anxiety has just fallen off because now I'm like yeah like okay my biggest nightmare came to life and I was great like I'm better for it you know and and that's not that God caused this he doesn't cause things like this but he will use it we live in a broken and fallen world bad things happen it breaks his heart more than it breaks ours and he will meet you in it and he will sustain you and he will heal your heart in it and he will use every ounce of it for your good and he will never leave your side and that is where the beauty in life comes from it's not from having a perfect a perfect life like I'm so thankful this is part of my story now I'm so thankful this is a part of my story at this age like I'm so thankful at 25 I get to be like yeah I have brain surgery (laughs) And look at where I saw God all throughout it, you know? It's just so beautiful and so special. And um, I just want to encourage you, if you're also walking through something difficult, something challenging, something hard, like the Lord wants to meet you in it too. And he wants to heal your heart. He cares so much about you. And, and the truth is that he cares more about these things than you do. You know, he weeps with those who weep. He mourns with those who mourn. He celebrates with those who celebrate. He is with you in every step, in the mundane, in the hard, in the beautiful, in the celebration. He is with you. And he loves you and he cares so much. And so um, I hope that through what I shared, you can just be encouraged by that, you know? And like, I think even too, like I was told 
after at one of my follow-ups that they got the pathology report back and it showed like my two most pituitary tumors are in the one percent growth rate and mine was in like five to seven percent which means it was growing very fast and she said it also means that my endocrinologist said this also means that there is a little bit of a higher chance that it could come back and you know that's something that would potentially like fill me with fear but honestly I think of that and I'm like yeah I'm fine like the Lord is good and if it does come back which is like the craziest thing in the world because this is so unnatural for me to think this way but I'm like even if it does come back like I'm not worried because I did it and like I know the Lord will be there and I know he'll use it and like yeah that'd be pretty amazing to have another story like that like obviously (laughs) I don't want that to happen but like I know he would use it and I'd probably cry a lot and it'd probably be very hard but also like look at what God did with that if he wants to do it again he could do it again and so like just the fear that falls off when you walk through a dark valley with Jesus is just something that can't be put into words and so I hope through me sharing this story you can be encouraged that no matter what you're walking through the Lord is with you and he wants to meet you in it and there's no shame or condemnation from him if you feel angry if you feel like it's unfair if you feel sad if you feel terrified if you feel desperate if you feel fear that's not those aren't bad feelings the lord created us to feel emotions and to feel feelings and i believe they're the most beautiful altar invitation to meet with him they're the most beautiful meeting place with the lord it's when we feel these emotions and when we take them to him and we leave them at his feet the anger the disappointment the fear the grief the the anxiety we take it to him we're honest with him that's when he meets us that's when he heals us we can't heal things we don't name and they're just going to grow and fester in our bodies and in our minds if we don't speak them out and so taking them to jesus taking them to safe and trusted friends is so important and so anyway i hope i kind of sum this up well like I said, I feel like I could talk about this for hours, and I know this is a long episode, but um, I just felt like I had so much to share with this because, it, I mean, like I said, the Lord just showed up in every step, and, and I have even more stories than what I shared. Like, it's just incredible and mind-blowing, but um, I think I'm going to wrap this up here, but um, I hope you can be encouraged by it, and um, I hope it can bring you some peace and whatever you're walking through it's all going to be okay. And also I had a friend telling me throughout the whole time, she's like, it's just going to be a blip in the timeline of your life. It feels so big when you're in the midst of the storm and that's so valid because it is a big deal. But there is going to be a day when you look back and you're like, wow, like that was just a little blip in the timeline of my life. And I'm like, yep, I'm already there. I'm like, did that even happen? It's crazy how fast it all goes by, but how beautiful it is as well. So um, anyway, Remember this too shall pass and there's there can be a lot of beauty birthed out of these seasons of pressure and these seasons of, of trial and so I just hope you can be encouraged by that but I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful for you. You're not alone. You're seen. You're loved more than you can ever imagine by the creator of the world and all the good things. He loves you so much and he desires to know you and have a personal relationship with you too. There's nothing he desires more than to know you personally and spend time with you. So um, I hope you can rest in that today and find some peace. I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful for you and I will talk to you next week. Bye.